Hey there, welcome to The Good Complex. I'm Hillary Kennedy. Thank you so much for joining us. We love that you're here for the interview today. And if you have not joined us at The Good Complex before, just so that you know what we're about, we love to have conversations about the hopeful, beautiful things in life. Also some of the, the trickier, more difficult conversations. And we look for that common thread of goodness that is in all of us. And I'm hanging out today with Greg Holmes mm -hmm. and Cedric Huckabee. And I have to be honest, I feel a little inadequate. We were talking about <laughs> this before we, before we started rolling, but I am not artistic in the way that I think a lot of people think about being an artist, but you are both artists. So I'm going to do a lot of listening and learning today. Well, I am, I, I feel like I'm an artist with a lowercase a and Cedric Huckabee <laughs> sort of a capital case a. Um, super excited to, to talk to uh, to talk to Cedric and Cedric is someone that I have known sort of known of a lot more than known directly but we've had the opportunity to talk talk a few times and one of the things that is um, very good complex like is that you know in a world like ours where things are where there's a lot of cynicism and there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of a lot of really important issues where people fight over you know things like that it's pretty um, it's pretty tempting to either just become cynical um, or just become so discouraged that you withdraw and do nothing or become so angry that you just sort of throw rocks at the other side, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, and it's, it's rarer, it seems, for someone who is at the talent level of, of a Cedric Huckabee using their skill to, to bring people um, together and to have difficult conversations, perhaps, um, not shy away from difficult conversations, but also not do it in such a way that it's all just about winning, mm -hmm. but it's about moving us all forward, you know? And so, Cedric, thank you so much for taking some time to join us uh, on The Good Complex. You're welcome. Uh, thank you for inviting me, and uh, I hope I live up to that. Well, that's, <laughs> a, that's a lot, so we have a high bar, we have a high bar. Um, so for, for people that are not used to, maybe you're a new name to them, um, Tell us a little bit of your journey um, of of being a visual artist, because you're a you're you're a, within certain circles. You're very well known um, as a visual artist, um, but you're you know you've traveled a good bit. You've um, you kind of where where do you see yourself sort of within the the long line of oil painters that you know? Because I know you sort of you, know, you have a historical view as well of, of, of understanding of oil painting, and so just. Introduce us a little bit to, to your story and, and your work. Um, well, I started out, um, I was born in Fort Worth, and um, a lot of what um, fostered my art at a um, young age was some of the programs in the area. We mm -hmm. had the um, uh, a program by the Imagination Celebration called Young Apprenticeship Program programs by the local uh, NAACP mm -hmm. that were uh, one of them called AXO and that acronym stands for the uh, Academic um, uh, Cultural Technological Scientific Olympics. All right, that's a mouthful. <laughs> <Nice>. um, <laughs> and through those kinds of programs, um, they encouraged me as a young artist and gave me confidence yeah. that, um, that I could pursue a career in art not to mention uh, my parents and, you know, people that I knew. Yeah. And so I started, um, my fir the first school I went to was uh, Texas Wesleyan. Mm -hmm. But after two years there, I ended up transferring to Boston University. Mm -hmm. And that's where I, um, I received my uh, Bachelor's of Arts degree. 
I was mentored by uh, some local artists, one named Ron Tomlinson, another Jack Barnett. And I say that because they were so important to the mm -hmm. foundational ideas in my art. Um, Ron was a very, um, he was always about sort of lifting people up, helping people. Yeah. He's the person who helped me to get to Boston University, um, yeah. coming uh, from Texas. And he mentored a lot of students who ended up going to school all around the world. Um, and from, you know, after I graduated BU, I went to Yale for graduate school. And um, that all of those things were transformative. They were eye-opening. You know, I was coming from Texas, and lo and yeah. behold, I found myself in the middle of Boston. <laughs> you know. And then at uh, Yale, I mean, I would think that's kind of rarefied. I don't know much about the the art program at Yale. Well, it's so competitive. Assume, yeah, I, I would assume. I, I would. I'm interested to. I, I don't want to interrupt your story, oh, but after ahead. Yale. I would think that a lot of artists that, that kind of reach that level would then go either to New York or L.A., and you came back to Texas. Is, is there a story yeah. about, around that? Um, just that, you know, I think I, I probably had some of the same plans. <laughs> yeah. <Okay>. Um, <laughs> but um, after traveling, uh, yeah. I traveled uh, to Europe, um, and um after you know visiting some of the places I had read about in books and staying there creating art, I came back to create work about family. Hmm. Um, and uh, big that's that's where Big Mama comes in the picture. Okay, because right now I'm doing the project Kinfolk House, right, which is at uh, uh, my grandmother's house. But that was the and place. That's Big Mama. That's Big Mama. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and and that was the place I started. Uh, doing paintings of her and our family uh, as a way to speak about um, the African-American family. Okay. Well, I wanna, we're going to come back to the Kinfolk House because that's a big, mm -hmm. that's a really current thing that, that's going on right now. I'd love to hear you, you talk about family. I know that's a big theme. Are there other themes? People are just going to be int introducing themselves to your work. What are some of the big themes that seem to come up again and again that you wrestle with? Well, uh, I think I... In general, um, I deal with uh, all the issues of life. Okay. But more specifically, um, there's a group of paintings that I've been working on for a number of years that was about death. Hmm. And um, I was using death as a tool to speak about life. So I was painting people wearing memorial T-shirts. Mm -hmm. Um, as a way to deal with um, some of the issues uh, African-American families are facing and how death tells the story of those issues. Yeah. And it also, um, you know, the individuals wearing the memorial T-shirts, it uh, memorializes the person who's on the T-shirt, um, and it also invites the discussion yeah. of their death. So, you know, that could... Because oftentimes those deaths those deaths speak into ways in which they died, which, which might uh, be cultural conversations that mm. we need to have. Sure. Right. That could be pro police brutality, yeah. right. um, infant mortality. Yeah. Um, some of it has to do with healthcare. Mm -hmm. You know, all of those issues enter into that conversation. Yeah. Um, there's other paintings that where I paint quilts. Yep. 
my grandmother was a quilter, and that's how I started the uh, whole paintings of quilts. It was trying to. Uh, and that was a Love Supreme. Love right. Supreme. Right. That's how I pieces. was introduced, yeah, to you was through that. Right. Well, I listened to an interview that you did, and you kind of talked a little bit about quilts being um, the jazz music of black women. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I thought that was really interesting. Sure. So uh, I made that statement because some of the same aesthetics that you see um, in the quilts and uh, some of the quilts that are sort of patchwork quilts are, are some of the same aesthetics we see in jazz music. Um, the offbeat phrasing, the improvisation, um, and um, a number of qualities you would find visually um, that we might find uh, in other ways in the music. And the women would get together, like it was almost like a jam session, um, the way in which they would organize and orchestrate how to come up with the, the uh, design of the quilt. And it was an organic process. Mm -hmm. And in the end, I I'll tell you an interesting, uh, interesting story. There's an um, artist named, um, uh, there's a quilter named Betsy Wells and the artist is um, Mondrian. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, very well-known artist. When Mondrian got to New York, um, the you can look at all of his previous paintings. And on his last painting, Broadway Boogie Woogie, uh -huh. you will see how um, dynamic they became. Like the kind of... Um, you know, lack of better words. I could use some more specific yeah. words, but how jazzy they became. Right. right. Um, they got that way with him listening to jazz music. And if you look at the quilts of Betsy Wells, who was creating those quilts before he was, right. they look a lot like. Yeah, that's interesting. The same thing. She's using squares up on a surface. He's using squares up on a surface. And mm -hmm. some kind of way they end up with the same aesthetic. Wow. Yeah. How? Yeah, that's kind of cool. That is cool. So. With, within that series, and those were giant, a lot of those were giant paintings, like life-size quilt paintings. And so, you know, as a viewer, those who are watching or listening, you can sort of picture yourself you know, walking into a gallery space and essentially be, being surrounded by your grandmother's quilts. What is, what, what is your hope that the viewer experiences um, when they experience that? I hope that the viewer can... Um, the whole idea is uh, love on different levels. Okay. But, you know, you walk into, I would say, a piece because it's almost like an installation mm -hmm. when you have 20-foot-long paintings that fits within a square that's about 30 feet square. Right. So you have, like, um, it's, it's, it's sort of like an installation. Mm -hmm. And the hope is that as they're looking at each quilt which each one of them is sort of based on a season and they start to see the cycle of the seasons you, you just start to think about it like this is something grandmother made or mother made um, they have sort of beautiful aesthetic they're bigger than you mm -hmm. they totally surround you they're all-encompassing mm -hmm. think about the cycle of the seasons you, you know like it's like the, the thought constantly elevates and you start thinking you know, this is bigger than me. It total. It surrounds me, not me surrounding it. Right. And there's all these metaphors for the love of God. Yeah, and I think about, 
I think about those pieces, the things that we hand down from one generation to the next, you know, because we have, you know, in, in my household, we have quilts that were handed down mm -hmm. and, and, to, and to be surrounded with these quilts that are larger than life, there is this, it, it, you're sort of being wrapped up, sort of cocooned by something that was handmade, um, that's beautiful, that has wisdom in it, you know, that was that's sort of handed down, and it, it does it changes it changes your posture and the way that you stand, the way that you interact with this with this imagery, and it's um, it's pretty remarkable. It you is. Know? It's pretty remarkable. All right, I want to ask I want to ask another question. Um, anyone who has seen your work probably either knows you about the because of the quilts or um, portraits that are just giant you know they're you know it, it could be an eight foot tall you know these, these giant portraits of people that aren't famous they're right. people in your life maybe your family members right. or their neighbors or whatever um talk to us a little bit about that about like the the, the choice of, of people that you paint but then also scale and what scale has to do with that so i paint all sorts of people, but more often than not, they're um, people that, you know, family, people that I know, people from community. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I paint it more broadly than that, but uh, I'm often trying to tell the story of the importance of the average Joe, the yeah. importance of ordinary people, the importance of family members who are not famous, and trying to depict them as extraordinary or show that they are just as important mm -hmm. uh, and show their imp as, as anybody else and show their importance through scale. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. I, I was wondering when I was reading about you, obviously this is what you do for a living, but what is it that motivates you to create and come up with concepts like that? Life itself, yeah. <laughs> life, you know, um, and I think that's where most artists, the deal is, is usually many art forms, there's things that you can be trained um, or taught. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a, there's the whole ideal of learning and mastering something. But then there are the things that you bring to the table that nobody could have taught you that are um, just things that um, either you've learned in life or or um, just the things that can't be taught. And when those two things come together, then that's when you end up with the art that is particularly, or that is particular to you. Yeah. Mm. You seemed pretty dialed in on what's going on in life, the environment around you. Do you, do you have to work at blocking out a lot of distractions because, I mean, you really seem to notice some of the most intricate details about people and find what's special in people. I know for me, sometimes it's hard. I feel like I'm on my phone a lot or I'm on the computer a lot. And it sucks away some of that mm -hmm. creativity and ability to see the world the way we used to before we had all those distractions. So are you able to kind of block those things out pretty easily or is it something you work at? I don't know. You know, no, I'm I'm not able to block stuff. <laughs> you know, it's it's life is busy. Yeah. yeah. And really all of that busyness is a part of it, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's there are students at school and I got uh family at home and there are mm -hmm. friends and there are people down the street and uh 
I have this wonderful opportunity to be here talking to you today. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that it's it's all a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I started off talking about how in our in kind of a divisive cultural moments that we have, um, you know, we we have different tendencies, and I think one of a great example of your just kind of of your character and your personality uh, was was how you responded to kind of the 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 events where we're talking about the 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 one percent versus the ninety nine percent and the Wall Street, you know, whatever. And you did a series called the ninety nine percent, which was a great example of you um, bringing people to sort of think about this, think about these things in a different way, in a way that can actually move us forward and not divide us, and you know, like that kind of thing. Talk to us about what the what that series, the ninety nine percent, was all about. It was about hearing the voice of the people in my community. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, in that group of works, go out, go around the community, draw people and listen to people and get there, like in the course of a a sketch. Mm -hmm. What are the things that we touch on? What does this person look, what is the impression that I get from drawing when I draw this person in this limited time? there are some times where I'm able to um, find little quotes from people, and I just look for things that stand mm-hmm. out to me in our conversations. But there's other times it's just a response to that person and trying to draw them, but also trying to be present and respond to them. Yeah. I was so struck by that series when you see them all together, because I don't know how many, you did a lot. There were a whole bunch and they were all sort of small because you're doing them in one sitting. And your ability to capture their image because of your skill, but then, and you know, also then capturing a quote or whatever, you also capture their personality, mm-hmm. you know, and so you really, in a, you know, in a, and when you see all of them together, like in a show, um, it personalizes a, a conversation that at the time, was sort of depersonalizing. We talked about people as percentage points. Well, they're in this percentage, or they're in this percent. It's like, mm-hmm. well, no, this is my neighbor, or mm-hmm. this is my, you know, down the street, and this is what they're caring about, and this is what they're worried about, you know, that kind of stuff, which I just think is so important because it's, it's really easy for us to get um, committed to certain ideologies mm-hmm. and forget that everything's personal. You know, these are real people that we're mm-hmm. talking about, and you just mm-hmm. went out and captured those people, and it just changed the narrative for for a lot of us. I think it was really, really good. Yeah, you know, the, the interesting thing about that is when I started that, I I started it because I, I was sort of, I felt moved to do it mm-hmm. um, after uh, sitting at, I think it was lunch, and um, it was around that time that the, those protests and stuff mm-hmm. were starting, and there was a one protester, one or two, I forgot how many, it was, but it, it was like two people walking down the street with a drum, um, protesting um, or singing a song mm-hmm. um, or a chant. And uh, it had to do with the 99%. And later there was, you know, protest, the whole protest thing had started to occur um, on the news, but the original push was what 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 do the people in this community mm-hmm. like their voices are not really being heard right. people are saying that they are but they're not yeah and so um yeah that's that's what started uh, uh that whole mm-hmm. 
Okay. Talk to us about the Kinfolk House. You mentioned it a minute ago, um, and I know this has been a project you've worked on for quite a while. And what if, if people were to, because it's open now, so if people wanted to go and, and see the Kinfolk House, what would they see? Um, it's a old house. Mm-hmm. I think the oldest part of the house was created in 1900. Wow. Um, it's since that first part of it, I think it's been built on mm-hmm. to a few times. So it's a, it's an old house and in it Fort started, Worth. it's in Fort Worth, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> started as my grandmother's house. I know it really well. I yeah. would, all of our, we had a, many family mm-hmm. events, Thanksgiving there. Uh, now it's a, um, collaborative, uh, art space where different types of creatives come together and create um, collaborative projects that I hope will both uh, touch and help to transform the community. That's great. Because where would you like to see that ultimately go? Because, I mean, it seems like you want everyone to to come and experience it and kind of see what it's about. But what was your, what was sort of your dream from the get-go with this, where you wanted to see it go? Well, I just wanted it to be um, art doing wonderful things right in the community. And, you know, um, there's a scripture that says, love starts at home and spreads itself abroad. Well, that's what I wanted it to do. I wanted it to start in this in a polytechnic community uh, at this house that I know really well um, in a community where I grew up going to my grandmother's house around there yeah. at the school a couple of blocks around the corner. I wanted to start there and and the effect of it be able to spread itself abroad over time. Hmm. I love that's got to be really special every time you walk in there to have all those family memories and then see something new being birthed out of it. Yeah. That's that's amazing. So you are um, you're not only an artist, you're also a professor. You teach at UT Arlington and you're also and I don't know that I've ever asked you or, or talked to you about this um, before, but um, you've also had a, a pretty famous private student um, and former president George W. Bush um, who sought you out and you were you were a, a private instructor. I don't know if you still are. I know you were for, for a while. Uh, talk to us about that. How did that come about? Well, uh, George, uh, George W. was, um, he has been painting since he left the office mm-hmm. and found a passion in painting. And Specifically portrait painting, right? Specifically portrait painting. Yeah. But he, he does more than portrait. Okay. Portrait. Yeah. He's he's done a lot of Texas landscapes okay, yeah. and animals and mm-hmm. <laughs> different right. things, but he, he really has a, a, a strong sort of um, liking for portraits. Mm-hmm. And I think um, uh, Jim Woodson was the, uh, one of the other his other teachers. Okay, uh, he had a teacher named Gail um, Nor Norfleet. Okay, um, but um, at a certain point. I don't know if it was Jim or somebody else encouraged him to see my work at yeah. Valley House Gallery. And he came by to see it, and that's where I first met him. At. And I think uh, things sort of went from there. Yeah. Is that, and forgive me, I don't, I don't know, is that atypical or is it fairly common for people in like 
those types of leadership positions, like once they leave office to then pursue different creative endeavors and, and that kind of stuff. Is he an outlier or is that, do you know of other presidents that have done that? Not too many have yeah. pursued painting that I yeah. know of. You know, he was, um, I think he was inspired by um, another uh, president that painted, um, I'm trying to think of. Uh, They're hard to remember on the spot. There's a lot of them. <laughs> so <laughs> many. No. I don't know. <laughs> Winston, Winston Churchill. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Winston Churchill made right. paintings. And um, and see, that's the thing is that it shouldn't be because there wasn't many that, yeah, that did right. make yeah. paintings. Um, most presidents would probably fall in the direction of writing. Right. Right. Um, because of, you know, the office and the things that they have to do. Right. Uh, and most of them write a book. You know, yeah. but not many of them um, paint a body of work. Right. And one critic noted about um, uh, former President Bush that he felt like Winston Churchill was a um, the critic noted. He felt like when Winston Churchill was a um, better painter, yeah. but the former president was a better artist. Oh, and why is that? What they were meaning was when they were looking at at that point in time in his development, when they were looking at the technical skill of Winston mm -hmm. Churchill, he painted, he used painting as a pastime and he loved to paint like uh, landscapes mm -hmm. and different things. And then when they were looking at examining his technical skills, they felt like they were better than yeah. President Bush's was. But when they look at the subject and what he was dealing with and how he dealt with it, they felt like President Bush's paintings were more significant. To talk about that, what is his subject? What is he, what's he dealing with? Well, people. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's uh, done a whole series of paintings of um, uh, some of the um, soldiers who were um, wounded in mm -hmm. the war. Right. Um, he's done uh, a group of paintings of immigrants. Mm -hmm. And um, all of those are, you know, for a president to do those paintings. Um, it always takes on more significance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's honoring those soldiers who were willing to fight for the country right. and uh, for um, certain causes that he was a, a, even mm -hmm. a part of as a president. Um, but more so that their bravery for taking up arms mm -hmm. um, in the country. Or he's, you know, he's speaking about... Um, uh, uh, the beauty of this country with all of the um, attributes that immigrants bring to mm -hmm. it during a time when uh, some uh, some some uh, things with immigration right. um, is criticized. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's admirable that he was at least in that at least in that show that he's giving a picture of America. And he is showing a lot of faces that don't particularly look like his. Mm -hmm. But this, you know, our, our country is so, so diverse. And so it's, it's pretty neat. And, and, and it's, it's pretty cool that you had a hand in that, you know, that you were part of his, um, you know, one of his instructors that's, that's helping him grow and, and, and uh, communicate in that way. It's kind of cool. It is nice. And you said you had, you know, a couple of mentors that really helped you and championed you and encouraged you. And for you to be that yeah. for someone who was a former president, that's got to that's got to be kinda, really neat. That's, that's cool. You know, I, I it's a, um, I think I'm I was excited or happy about doing it. I felt like um, a former president taking on painting 
it, how could it be a bad thing? Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know if everybody uh, would agree with that. Hmm. You know, I have run into um, certain people who, um, you know, I think they find whatever reason, um, you know, I guess it's politics. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you're against um, when when the politics enter into the picture, um, there can be no good. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but there, for a former president to be painting, I can only see that that's a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when politics enter in, then it just becomes all about which side is winning, mm-hmm. you know, instead of championing certain things that we all, we can all agree on, which is kind of what what the good complex is right. all about. That's why we're you know, here. That's why we're talk. here. Yeah. <laughs> Cedric, you know, it's it's a little bit unfortunate the people who are listening or watching as we're talking about this, they'd say, well, I want to see his paintings. I want to see what, you know. so if people want to see more of your work, um, like, because I know you have shows going on right now. You have you have a show that's going to be starting soon at the National Gallery in, in, in D.C. and um you're represented by a couple different galleries, and um, but like, where would you send them? Um, locally, uh, I'm represented by Tally Dunn Gallery in okay. Dallas. Okay. Um, I'm also represented by the um, Philip Martin Gallery in Los Angeles, and yes, I have a show coming up in D.C. I believe it opens in um, October. It's not uh, it's not a one person show. It's a group show. Mm-hmm. And each of the artists uh, will occupy a, a different room in the National Portrait Gallery. And the show is called, it's, it's interesting because the, the space we just opened up is Kinfolk, and the mm-hmm. show is called Kinship. Oh, okay. <laughs> so should have trademarked well, it. That's a big <laughs> deal to have a show there. Well, I, I know we're wrapping things up, but I, you have had such an amazing journey as an artist and I mean you're so well known and you're mentoring former presidents (laughs) you've got this incredible body of work but I would love to know how do you define success as an artist how do I define success is it kind Um, of where you are now or do you think you're still kind of reaching for what you've you believe success to be Hmm, that's a deep question. <laughs> <laughs> you thought we were wrapping like, up. That's right. like, like, that's a hard one, yeah. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I don't, uh, it's an interesting question because the, I found that as I, as I go along the road in art, um, my definition of success has changed. Um, as a young artist, that's one thing, you know, success might mean, um, being able to make a living as an artist, you know, but as I have gone along the sort of road of art, um, success starts to look like, um, if, um, the, the work that I do can, um, have a, a a substantial effect i feel like it has uh, it, i can make a contribution that matters with it hmm. and it might not make a difference um many times in the world of art uh, everything sums up to dollars and cents mm-hmm. you know like if if something 
if if I sell a painting for a million dollars, that's a success. But I think that if the if the work that I'm doing um, can have uh, a um, an effect on um, people, it can help to transform uh, some of thoughts and ideas and touch people's lives in an impactful way. Um, then I think it's a success. Then I think it's mm-hmm. a success. Um, but then, you know, how do you measure impact? And I don't know. Um, but I do, there, there are other things that have to do with, um, if the work meets the intention and each group of work and each type of work has different types of intention to it. Um, some of them, uh, it, it could be physical intentions that I'm after or literal things, but some of them are more like what I was just talking about. But I guess ultimately, whatever the, the intentions are and that the work can meet the, the, uh, the, the, the intention for the, for the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Kind of what I hear in all of that is you defining success more as a level of, of you being faithful to what, um, to, to an idea or to your talents or those types of things and, or feeling a, some sense of responsibility to the world, mm-hmm. um, instead of a sort of objective standard. Like if, if I can make this amount of money, then that's a success, mm-hmm. you know, because that's, uh, that, that's one that can either make you feel proud over other people or make you feel like you're always a failure because that that bar seems to always move you know mm-hmm. but that's one thing that I really admire about you and in, in your career is that um, you seem to be someone who is who has has something to say has some talent in, in order to say it and you just want to be faithful with that mm-hmm. you know you want to um, and I think that you're you're not only loving your family and your community well you're just sort of loving us all well by drawing us into conversations that we need to have, but you're doing it in a way that's just really skillful, that doesn't shut people down, but actually draws people in. Right. So it's great. Invitation. Well, thank you. Thank you. Cedric, thank you for taking time out of your day and your busy schedule. Cause I know you've got three kids, so. <laughs> 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 and you've got uh, Ken Folk House yes. and all that going on too. Yes. So thanks for taking time to be with us today. I love what you're doing. And I, I, like Greg said, I just think it's great that you're drawing people in in such a, a beautiful and loving way. So. Thanks for taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. I'm going to have to uh, work on some of my artistic abilities. That's right. You've inspired me now. (laughs) I'm going to have to figure out what it is. But thank you guys so much for joining us today. Be sure to like, subscribe, leave us comments, let us know what you think about the episodes. And we'll be back again soon with another one. But until then, get out there and make it good.